Hello and welcome to the Navy Blue Corner. I'm Ian and unfortunately Lockie isn't able to join me this week to run through the Collingwood match review. Look, I'm pretty jealous to be honest, um, but look, the show must go on. And I'm here to do a bit of a solo pod to break down the loss to the Pies. And look, it was it was incredibly disappointing showing and, and there's plenty to cover. So look, I'm going to jump straight into it with a bit of our reflection segment from the week prior from our What Did We Want to See segment. It's in our match build-up show. We basically both put together three things that we wanted to see from the game. So let's take a look and see if any did come true. Look, my first one that I wanted to see, apart from obviously a win, which you didn't get, was goals and fast-flowing footy. Yeah, you can put a cross through that. We definitely didn't get any of that, which is pretty frustrating. Just one of the many reasons we did not win this game of football. Don't worry. I'm going to do a breakdown into all of it. Uh, The next one was to not let Nick Dacos run free all day in. Look, it wasn't as bad as I thought it could have been, weirdly. I know he had 27 disposals. He was a leading ball winner for Collingwood and and one of many that, that did play some good football and definitely get the better of us on the day, but... I don't know. It's definitely not a tick, definitely not a cross. Um, I think it, it wasn't as – I wasn't disappointed on, on how we treated Nick Dacos. I didn't think he was completely free all day, but he definitely got the got the better of us. So maybe an even one there, leaning definitely more towards a cross than a tick. The other one I wanted to see was Harry bounce back to form and kick four-plus goals. It wasn't four-plus. It was definitely better. It was good to see a drop punt to be his first kick of the day and for it to sail through the big sticks. The crowd got around him. The boys got around him, which you wanted to see. It's just nice to see him smile as well. It good to get the monkey off the back. It wasn't the four, uh, which is frustrating again, but it was definitely, I guess, better. And, and Lockie, he wanted to see. <laughs> it's so hard to read these, honestly, knowing what happened in this game because he wanted to see hunger, fight, and care factor from the start. He wanted us to get the jump on them. And I think we almost need to put this and keep this in the what do we want to see until it happens, every week until it happens, because not getting this, it sums up why we lost. It was the complete opposite. Conley would get the jump on us, and you just can't give good teams a lead early in games and us not coming out, getting that response, getting a showing of hunger and desire from the start. It's... It's a cause of so many of our issues. So that's a cross. He also wanted to see us make the most of our opportunities. He didn't want us to lament our missed chances in front of goal. And look, if you look at the score sheet, you could probably say we had some missed opportunities. I think that that just isn't the case. I'd love to know what you guys think listening to this or watching this. Um, but but look, I think that for us, we just the set shots we did have weren't in great positions on the ground so I can't see those being missed and then there were so many rush behinds where again the quality of the looks that we're getting inside 50 they don't equate to easy scores so for me we just didn't create enough good chances rather than us missing our opportunities so ticking away but we just weren't getting them so overall just not a success and then probably the only good thing from this is we this one can be a tick for Lockie you wanted to see the fans get around Harry this week and yeah, that's a tick. I think they definitely brought the noise, got around him when his name was read out, got around him when he marked that ball for his first chance at goal. And there was a lot of jeering from the Collingwood supporters, but I thought that the Carlton fans were trying to encourage it. And when he got that goal, I got out of my seat. I know a lot were bringing that noise just to bring that confidence back into him. So, look, we need a lot more to go right for us than just Harry getting back to a little bit of form. The tick, though, if there are any little positives. But let's get straight into it. Let's get to our hot topics, the burning questions of this one. And I'll do my best to get through it. And throughout this whole episode, feel free to, if you're watching this on YouTube, chuck in any thoughts you have, anything that I discuss, drop me your thoughts in the comments. And and if you're listening to this on any streaming platform, head over to our social media at Navy Blue Corner. Let me know what you're thinking. Let me know if there's any discussion points that we didn't cover anything that you liked, anything you didn't like. We love hearing the feedback from you guys and doing this solo by myself. I definitely am keen to hear what you guys thought of this game. And for me, starting at this, (laughs) we just never looked in it. We never looked like we were a chance in this. And 
I didn't expect it. Like walking into the ground, I wasn't optimistic. And I, and I said this in our match build-up, that I just I could not see a way that we won this game. And then the optimist in me went, like, that's the reason we'll win it, because I'm so down on us, because I'm not sure we can get it done, that for whatever reason, <laughs> it'll happen. And unfortunately, it just does not work like that. And it's hard for me to overreact in a loss like this, one that I could see coming against a really good opposition. And I'm not sure that's where I am, where it's just everything's bad because I I thought it would happen. But it just doesn't make it hurt any less when you expect a loss. Even though you just know it's coming, it just it still hurts. And I think that's the ultimate thing that pisses me off about this game was we just didn't put up a fight. And I was hoping that, if we did lose this game against what we all believe is a better opposition where things stand, that we'd maybe be in it for a long period of the game and then maybe Collingwood's class would just take over and you'd be like, oh, well, we just got beaten by a better team. But it was just from the start. Like, they kept us at arm's length throughout the whole game. There was no pressure. There was no hunger. And Pommy and Oz, if you don't subscribe to him on YouTube, make sure you do. Some great analysis from the great man and, he threw out a stat that I didn't take note of that it's it's hard to believe, but it's also really easy to believe when you watch that game of football. He said that 12 players from Carlton did not register a tackle by halftime. Damning. Just, it, it sums up what you saw. Lack of pressure, lack of intent. When Lockie's talking about wanting to see this desire to win at the start of a game, you just didn't see it. You just did not see this ferocity of attack every single ball like your life depended on it. Make the pressure so much against Collingwood. We, we know our skills aren't great. We know the system isn't great at the moment, but you bring that intensity and hunger from the start. You make Collingwood think. And they would have expected it to come. I read an article. can't remember what Collingwood players said it. I think it might have been Josh Dacos. I might be wrong with that one. But I heard someone mention that, you know, they knew that Collingwood took away Carlton's season last year, and so they expected Carlton to really bring it. So they were prepared, and and McRae was showing them things from last year's game to be like, get prepared. These boys are going to be on it. And fortunately, we just we weren't at the races. And you look at the first quarter, you break it down, you look at the goals from Collingwood, and it's how it started. They get a really easy goal, easy, easy goal, forward entry. Bobby Hill runs into it, and I don't know. I just turned... I just turned to the people around me. I'm going, it's easy. It's too easy. And it was. It, it was. We just, we didn't kill the ball. Newman, I'm not saying he's to blame, but it's like he just didn't look like he had the hunger for it. And, and Bobby Hill was the only one that wants the ball, gets it, easy goal, done. Okay, reset. You know, I might give him the young goal where he slips. Like, what can you do there? He can't help that. But then, you know, a goal from stoppage, no one near the goal line. Just that's not good enough. That's unacceptable. You can it's unforgivable, really. You cannot be allowing your opposition such an easy, easy goal in your defensive 50 that early into the game, especially when you know how damaging Collingwood can be in front of goal. You give away a 50-meter penalty. Ollie Hollands doesn't give the ball back correctly. And you're just hurting yourselves, boys. You're not playing good footy. They're on top of you regardless. And you give them gimme goals. Like it's just. I don't know what you do. Like that's that's three easy goals. One, there's a bit of luck, and that's four. That's four goals. They're up at quarter time, and we never looked like getting into the game. I know in the second quarter, I believe it was, we kicked two in a row. Always kicks one, and you, and you, the, you get the crowd into it because of his celebration. And maybe you start to think, okay, if we get the next one, who knows? But even even then, I'm I'm sitting at the ground, never thinking for once in that game of football, we're in this because we didn't look like it. And uh, going back to almost like the response and wanting the hunger early into that game of football, and I think some fans were expecting a big response. You know, this is the team that cost us finals last year. And, and there's all this chatter in the media all week, bashing Carlton, oh, they're no good. Vossi's system's no good. The players aren't there. The midfield's too slow. Harry can't kick. Everything was building. We spoke about this in the match build-up. And I was hopeful that I was going to have my list of all the deficiencies. I'd come on, read them out, and it didn't matter because we overturned them all and we, we played a good game and we, we beat the, the Magpies. But it, it wasn't the case. And honestly, for me, you know, I, people want the response, but I, I wasn't expecting one. 
And, and I hate that that's where I kind of am at the moment. I don't anticipate responses because I saw this team get embarrassed last year and throw away finals, maybe even more against Adelaide in that in that game over in South Australia. And, you know, we went there this year and that you're expecting a response and we got completely dismantled. It was worse than last year. Embarrassed. You know, this group, they just, they unfortunately just don't respond. And, and I don't know if they have it in them anymore to respond. I, I think the positivity in me, I'll always think that things can turn around. But as far as a team that's going to give you this hot response after after something, I, I just, I'm not sure that's them anymore. And, and I'm happy to be proven wrong. I want to be proven wrong. But what have they shown us so far? How many times does this team have to have a bad performance against a team or a bad performance the week prior and then just not rock up and have that start? I can maybe cop us fading away, but we just don't seem to bring it from the start. And to get jumped like that, four goals down at quarter time, you just, you're not going to come back into that game. And that's so, so incredibly disheartening to watch and to watch your football team play such as the dull style of football where you're trying to be hopeful, you're trying to talk yourself into it before the game, and you see it happen. Within the first minute of the game, they kick an easy one, and you just think, that's it. Like, that, there's no response, and there wasn't. And, and I think one of the big talking points that, that keeps happening, we're talking about the game style, we're talking about the players, people are looking for somewhere to blame and to turn it to. So... Let's try and break down where this game was lost and talk about the styles. Because for me, this game's just the difference of quality. And it's a difference between purpose and execution. I think that's where it kind of lies for me at the moment. I know the execution word is getting thrown around a lot. So apologies for adding to this. But and I hate having to talk about Collingwood too, but they're just playing such good football that it contrasts where we're at. And it's and it's why I didn't go into this game thinking we'd win. And weirdly, this, this contest reminded me a bit of the Geelong game last year where we came up against the, the best team at the time probably in the AFL and they beat us like the best team does from where we're at, where we're never in the contest, never got close. Every single facet of the game, they beat us. And that was it. But uh, the big difference is the way Collingwood move it and – it's just it's it's highlighted so much. Like when Collingwood win the ball, it is there is such a clear path to goal and what they want to do with it. When they get it, there's players working together. There is a cohesion to everything they do. Player wins it, they sprint towards the ball carrier. They're running and working hard to create options for the guy with the ball, whether it's forward, whether it's behind, whether it's sideways. They move the ball laterally so well with options. They have guys pushing wide into space, guys pushing forward into space, guys pushing towards the ball carrier. And it, not only does the movement create space around them, but it creates the options. And they just work so much harder than us to create the options and burst away. And, and and one thing I noticed that even when they were making an error, when there was pressure that was applied, because there's so many players around them and so much space, they have time to fumble. They have time to, to mop it up because they know that, look, if I make this mistake and I miss this handball or I miss this kick, either I'm going to have guys working with me that it's not going to matter because we're going to help mop this up. And, and even if we don't retain possession, I'm going to have numbers around it to help try and turn the ball over and add pressure. And here we go. Let's, we continually every single time. And, and that's the difference for me because when we have it and when we have feel that pressure, we, we know that there's not guys working with us. And it, it means that there's so much more pressure on each kick. There's, there's a trust for Collingwood that, that when a mistake happens, there's, there's teammates are backing them up. And, and we just don't have that. When we get the ball, it's a hesitation. There's not a player running with them. The players aren't swarming in, in whatever you want to call it. Every team has a different thing, whether it's a net, whether it's a swarm, whether it's a wave. Name it whatever you bloody want. We don't have that currently. We get it, and it's looking to my left, no option, right, no option. Handballs to another guy who, who has no one with him. And 
obviously Collingwood are ahead of us. And and that's what it's why they're the most informed team right now. It's just hard to watch when you see a good team do everything right and then you look at us and just I don't know what it is. I don't know if the game plan isn't right. Because it doesn't feel like it's perfect for the way we want to play, but then the boys aren't executing it at all. And it's, it's like a, it's just a cycle. It's a circle of this discussion. We just keep going back to the same place. Is it the players? Are they? Is the is the game plan too hard for them? And it's like, well, they should be able to do it regardless. Are they not happy with it? Are not buying in? And I don't give a shit to be honest. Like I don't care what the issue is. Everyone needs to, if they want to be here, if they want to be at the Carlton Football Club, everyone needs to work together, listen to the leaders, if we bloody have any, and work with what we have to get the best out of what is being asked. And, and unfortunately, I don't know. Like the, the, the disposal's bad, but it's emphasized due to everything else. When you don't have... The, the running support from players when everyone's just under more pressure. You know, we don't have the easy option. We don't have the cluster around the ball winner. We're looking to spread away and, and get that easy handball away and be that easy option or just sprint forward. And it, it means there's too much separation from the guy that has the football. And all of a sudden it's like, he looks up and it's five Collingwood players around him because our guys are streaming forward. Whereas I, I feel like we need to be getting closer to that guy to give him options, whether it's a guy behind him, that easy, just out of pressure, out of congestion, quarterback handball, and now we've got options. Whereas so many times it's, oh shit, I've got, I'm under pressure. I'll handball to you. You're under pressure because we don't have the numbers around the contest. We're not working. There's no cohesion to it. We're not working together. And when you don't have that direction, you don't have it. You're asking so much from our players. We get the ball, and instead of it being in an easy 15-meter kick or an easy five-meter handball, two numbers, knowing that you can trust that we're going to be in the right spots, we're going to have numbers where we need to get it. Like, Obviously, it's more drilled into the better teams that when they get the ball, they know where their players are meant to be. And it just, for whatever reason, it does not feel like we, we have the belief that, okay, when I'm here on the field, there's going to be a guy to my left 20 meters out onto the wing because we don't look there. We're hesitant. We don't know where we're meant to look. There doesn't seem to be a player where they maybe at first appear to go to. There's that hesitation I keep mentioning. And you're asking these players because there's no easy option to, to get out of this congestion, to get out of the pressure because the teamwork's not there. You're then asking these individuals to, <laughs> to have to make miracles. They're having to kick this 20 meter Sorry, 20 minutes. They're going to kick this 30, 40 meter kick that there's, there's no room for error. They're already under pressure and you're having to make them be perfect and, and kick this 45 kick that has to be centimeter perfect because there's a defender on them that's on, on the boundary. And it's just, there's no margin for error and it's just making everything compound. And it's why there's so much pressure on the guy that gets it. There's more pressure on the kick because the option's not easy. You wonder why we turn the ball over. And I don't know, even on that, like, it's funny. We, we don't seem to commit enough to the guy who has the ball because we're just streaming away. And obviously when we turn the ball over, we're just in no man's land to track back because of it. But then at times we weirdly commit too much to the contest. Like when the, when the ball goes in the heat, like there's too many guys sucked into it. And, and Collingwood was smart where they were able to get enough guys around where the ball was one to, to create the options when they needed to, to come towards it. But then when they needed to stay out, they stayed wide. And then how many times did Collingwood's wings kill us? Josh Dacos, steel side bottom, they killed us by keeping their width. And, and teams have done this. I spoke about this with the Dogs game. The Doggies knew that when they won the ball, they'd have a wide option and we wouldn't track there. We'd get sucked in. And that just keeps that just keeps hurting us. And for some reason, even though we we seem to push into that contest, we're not winning it. When we do it, we're in the wrong spots. But when the opposition win the football, they just know they've got that width and they've got that running power to have those options constantly somewhere along the field. And yeah, it just it hurts us when we do turn the ball over in those tight spaces because we just don't have anyone out. And when you when when opposition win that ball. 
you just you just nowhere and and positioning around the ground it's obviously a problem but you just see the golfing class kicking the ball long which is something we do a lot but we're not effective at it and i hate giving so much praise to the opposition but like and we, and we don't have to play the exact same way but you just see why certain things they do work and why it doesn't work for us like we kick the ball long to a pack where we're praying that we win the contested mark, but we don't seem to be getting enough numbers to where we want to kick it. It's this, it's this thing again of not getting the numbers to either the ball carrier to help or to the options of where we want to go. Like we'll have it D50 or on the wing and it's like, okay, yep, no options. We kick it long, but then we don't have the guys at that contest. They're either not there in the air. It's like a one on four always. Or we don't have the guys on the ground willing to to help mop it up. Whereas Collingwood, they always have the numbers to the contest. When it's time to kick long, they put guys in the right spots. And I don't know. It just, I don't know where our plays are, why that's not working. But Collingwood just seemed so much more direct when they went long. Like they had the numbers there to affect the contest. And whether they won it or not, again, they're there to apply the pressure if they didn't and win the ball back on turnover. But we just seem to, and I don't know if it's an issue with our smalls, whether they just they're not smart, whether the system's not right and the positioning, they're not able to execute, but we don't have the right plays in the right spots. They're not smart enough to stay down and be at the fall of the ball. And maybe that's because they don't know where the fall of the ball is. I'm not too sure. But it's just another another issue with the way we're playing things. And and there's obviously heat that needs to come on Voss because Game style and, and motivation and, and all these little things, they always they'll always fall on the coach. But there just needs to be questions asked of everyone because collectively the only way you get out of this is with everyone. And while things aren't working tactically, I don't think the boys are helping for all the reasons I've said. I don't know, I mean I don't know how many more times I need to say we're not running to the right areas of the ground. We're not running to support teammates. And I said that in my whatever pillars of how we're going to win this game against the Pies. It was, you know, work rate, discipline. I can't remember the other, but team teamwork. It's all these things. We need to work as a unit. We're not doing it. We're not working hard enough both ways. Is that fitness? Do we Do we know how to work hard enough? I don't know. I'll touch on that later, but... I don't know. Like I, I want to be positive. And, and it's, the actual thing that's kind of kept me going over the last couple of days is hearing from you guys. So apologies to throw this to you. When I do this solo, my mind goes in, in a lot of different places. But I don't know, getting messages, seeing people on Twitter say that, you know, they'll listen to this podcast for this and they come to us for the positivity. I've got that a little bit where people even through the week were like, oh, thanks for building, you know, getting me excited about the game. And part of me apologizes for getting anyone hyped about us at the moment because I feel like that adds to the disappointment. But hearing that you guys are enjoying listening to this and you guys want caring, even care what, what me and Lockie have to say about football, I mean, it means a lot. Like a big shout-out to, and, I, and I'm, I apologize, I didn't catch your name, and that's on me. I was, I was honestly just so taken back by it. Um, walking out of the G, someone came up and just stopped me and said, hey, Thanks for the podcast. I enjoy listening. So whoever you are, please drop us on whatever social media. If you're on YouTube, drop it in the comments. We'd love to know who you are because, you know, after these losses, when you start to lose a bit of hope, start to lose that optimism, like, I don't know, those little things make me realize like why we still do this podcast through this through this heartache. Um, so I appreciate and shout out to whoever that was. Would love to know who it is. Um, but yeah, to completely take away the positivity I feel like I'm starting to lose a bit of hope. And that's that's just the honesty of this of this caper. Like I'm not going to come on here and lie to you. I'm always going to be glass half full. I'm always going to be more optimistic than coming on here and yelling. And if you want me to go on a massive rant, if you want me to yell at everyone at this football club, and I, it's just, I don't know, maybe part of me is just broken. I feel like I've hit my breaking point because, I don't know, I've never been that person to leave a game early. I have no issue if someone does. Everyone can do their own thing. But I've never really been that person or to turn off the TV, go do something else. That's just never really been how I do things. And I feel like there's a lot of people that 
kind of in this boat and we're struggling with this at the moment because, I don't know, everything's been different this year. That Adelaide game, one of the first times I was watching it and I started getting my laptop up and I had Ted Lasso in the background. It was almost the foreground by the end of the game where I was just I was losing interest in putting myself through it. I was I felt like I was mentally checked out. The St. Kilda game was almost worse. I was there and I think in that third quarter I was – my mind was going anywhere else but football. I just didn't want to be in that spot. And all I could think to myself was like, I don't want to be here. I'm not getting enjoyment out of this. Brisbane game was the same, if not worse. It's I'm sitting there thinking like, I'm just not enjoying what I'm seeing. And, and the dogs game, I felt like that until that third quarter where we finally get into it. And then this week, you know, halftime hits. Um, had had a family friend that traveled from a far distance to, to get to the game and they had a lot of other work commitments and other things that they had to get to, but they made the effort of, of trying to get to the game and maybe staying for as long as possible. And for them, it was, well, I've got so many other things. I'm busy. If we're not, if I'm not seeing anything from this team, like I, I can't stick around. Like if we're in this contest, like I'll, I'll make my life a bit harder and, push work and everything back and maybe get home super, super late. But, you know, spoke to them half time and they were like, I just can't stay for this. And I think it's one of the first times where it's cold. I've had a big week. I was incredibly tired. I'm, I'm mentally so hanging on by nothing. And I'm sitting there thinking like, why am I still here? Like, what is the point of putting myself through this? And even watching it, I was so mentally checked out and it's rough and, and it's, I think so much of a part of, of why so many of us Carlton supporters are struggling, knowing that we've, we've seen much worse. We've had two win seasons. We, we've been at games where we were losing by 100-plus points every week. And even then, it felt different. And I know it's the expectation. I know it's all that. But what's frustrating is that at the moment, there's no identity. We're not a tough team. We're not physical we're not hard. We're not skillful. We're not a fast team. Like what? I feel like David Bloody King, but I know the Prendergast boys are always loving this one. But like, what is our brand of football? What is the identity of us? What are we trying to nail? Because Vossi came out early and was like, we're going to be a contested team. We've got the big bulls in there. We want to be hard at the contest. What happened to that? I'd kill to be hard at the contest again. I, I don't know what's going on with this where we don't seem to have this unique identity where I can go to the football and, and whether the execution and everything goes our way and we get the win or not, I can sit there and look at it and go, well, we played the Carlton way and it just didn't work for us. That's not there. And there's just a lack of energy around the way that we play it it's such I mean, i'm hearing words you know dull footy it's boring and it, it sucks the life out of the crowd but it sucks the life out of the players it does not look like anyone's enjoying their time at carlton at the moment Vossi's not enjoying coaching it the boys don't look like they're enjoying playing and, and sometimes when you lose that element of fun in what you're doing and, and i know some of that's <laughs> buzzword again the nourishment of of seeing things work well for you. When you're not getting the wins, when you're not getting that, it hurts. But I don't know, there's something missing in these boys right now where they're not enjoying what's going on. And, and that can be hard to spark it. But I don't know, it, it hurts us. And that's where I think the the hope is is fading with us, of us just not seeing enough. I'm not seeing the glimpses. I'm not seeing this team come out, fight hard for a half, and then maybe fade away and get overran by a better team. It's like we're not there from the start. It's a few individuals that are showing a little, a few glimpses. And then collectively, we're just breaking down. And a part of that is, is that the, the question I'll ask you guys is like, is that just where we're at? Where we're middle of the road, we're a few star players, the rest of the list maybe isn't that good. The coaching isn't enough to, to get us better than the sum of our parts and we're just here and do we have to accept that do we have to find a way out of that i don't know i, I don't know and uh, i touched on it a little bit but like, we got outworked completely you know up and down the up and down the ground we weren't that we weren't showing the two-way running and you know questions are being asked of, of our leaders and they're all playing pretty poor footy at the moment None of them are really playing well. And 
the question needs to be asked of like, do these players know what hard work is? Because I've always thought this, you know, when you're training against yourself all preseason, you might think you're hitting benchmarks. And when Cripper's only known so much, when Harry's only known so much, and I'll name whoever you want, when these players have only known a certain standard at Carlton and they raise that standard and they're like, oh, here we go, boys. We're, we're another level. If they don't know that the actual required level is 10 rungs above that, how do you get there? We just, we, we seem to lack something. You know, where's, where are the, we have no players on this list that kind of know what it takes to be successful. And I think that that hurts you if you want to go into the deep dive of it all and, and the list build and things like that, like not having those key leaders. Like we've got Vossi. And I think that that's what we wanted in this coach. Like we, I think more than tactics, we needed leadership, guidance, standards. We were lacking so much of that, which is why we clearly went for Voss over a Kingsley when it came down to the two. It was like, do we go the tactics or do we go trying to build the culture of Carlton because it's so bad? It's just rot. And clearly we went that and I don't know. Does it, do we need more? Is it too? Can we not fix the rot? Do we need to instill that in our players? Do we need to bring in guys that have been at elite clubs that know what that standard is? I don't know. Because these guys, they just don't have anyone to learn off that's been there and done it to say, hey, boys, to so look these boys in the eyes and, and say, hey, that's not the standard. That's not it. And stamp it out. I don't know if we've got those players that, ask those tough questions that, that instill it. You hear little glimpses of, of Harry saying, you know, that we're, the little extras and things like that are the past of Carlton where guys got laughed at for, for trying harder. That's no, we're no longer there. We're pushing each other. And you always hear the, well, the tough conversations. We've got to look each other in the eyes. But how many times can you do that with the same people until nothing happens? And I don't know. It's it's tough. A lot of giving up. Fair enough. I think everyone's still listening to this. Honestly, if you're listening to this, you haven't given up. You're still giving something. You're the guys that rock up every single week and in hope for more. And obviously, that's what football is. When things aren't going well, it's hope. And I know we're more the positivity. And sometimes, honestly, I feel like I need that from Lockie. That's why he's such an integral part of this for me, not just everyone that listens to this is because he looks at things a different way to me and, and he tries to look at the bright side and, and tries to ask the, the devil's advocate questions that I am too stuck in my ways to get out of. And then, you know, it goes to that debate last week where I'm being like, Crip shouldn't kick on his left. And he's like, but what if he practiced this? You know, what if he spent the last three years practicing that, that kick? And you go, well, I didn't think of it that way. Maybe he's right. Maybe that is... Maybe nails that every single week. And, and that's the perspective I may be lacking this week. So apologies to the listeners. But I'm not, I'm not completely out of it, and I won't be, for the fact that we're still only 10 rounds in. And I know time means nothing. Time does not mean that we'll automatically, because we're spending more time working on it, that we will be better. But it gives you an opportunity to be better it, it's tough. We've got, a, we've got a short turnaround against Sydney this Friday. They're not in good form. If it was in Melbourne, it'd be a bit nicer, but you know, we, we just have to bounce back. We have to bounce back. We've got some talent that can turn it around. I'm, I'm just hoping that for whatever reason that it's not working, that we're not supporting our teammates, that we're not running to the right spots, that we're not getting this cohesion in. I've got the ball. I know exactly where to handle. I know exactly where my teammate's going to be. And we've got this clear movement to goal, clear movement to run in defense, knowing the trust of teammates. Whatever is stopping this right now, I don't know. I feel like you just have to back it. I know it's blind. I know it's maybe silly, but you can't, you can't just sack Voss right now. You can't just sack the list right now. We pretty much have somewhat until the end of this season before you can really make the big calls. That's my take anyway. Should you just hope that it gets better? I think that's all. It's <laughs> crazy, but I feel like that's all we kind of have. And I don't know, a hard deep diving question that I thought of this week and I don't have answers for. And I don't know, I don't know if this is the time to ask it, but 
an interesting thing is like we we did this full scale review of the football department and looked into every facet of it. What did we learn? Obviously, there were some deep findings. Things we'll never know. So it's hard for me to ask this question because I don't know what we found. I don't know what we're doing to try and fix it. We've obviously got a guy like Brian Cook in there that you hope is driving everything. A guy like Michael Voss that's been at a successful Brisbane team. He's been at Port that while they haven't taken that jump, they've been a finals team for ages. You'd hope that these people know some of the things that it takes and getting external eyes on it to show you what you're not able to see. But right now, and it's so hard because you're only judging it by what you see on the field. I just don't, doesn't feel like we've nailed the implementation of this review. And I, I don't know what we're doing to overcome these obstacles, to overcome our shortcomings. And, and so far, two years in, doesn't feel one and a half years in it just doesn't feel like we're seeing enough and then that's the issue we we've been we expected when Vossi came in that okay we're ready for finals and and some people are saying you've just got to give it time you've got to give Vossi time you've got to give the, the list time they're not they're clearly not good enough we need to pivot and we need the right players for Vossi's game plan I don't know it's hard it's hard to give this time it's hard to be like okay I'll give you another preseason. Because you see other teams, they get a new coaching and bang, things are so much better. Like when is it going to happen for us? I don't know. It's an interesting question. But let's get into the listener questions. I feel so doom and gloom without Lockie. I don't know what's happening. Apologies if this is so dire. I swear we'll get some positivity into this at some stage. But I'm trying to look at things a bit more in isolation and but also weirdly not take things too far down the negative route, but I can only look at what I saw from the Collingwood game and it was that they jumped us at the start. We gave them too many easy looks. We gave them too much space. We didn't work hard enough. We didn't work as a team. They did. They looked miles ahead of us. We expected it. It still hurts. And it's your rival, so you don't want it. But let's get into the listener questions. If you want to want your questions answered, jump over on the socials at Navy Blue Corner on Twitter is where we ask a lot of it. We're big on Instagram. Someone needs to pull me into line on Facebook because I keep, I'm not putting as much energy and time into that one. Um, so someone call me out on that. If you like what you're listening to, there, there is a normal partner I have in this partner in crime, Lockie. This is a bit of a different week. Um, but subscribe on YouTube, follow us on the whatever streaming platform you listen to this on. But let's get into the listener questions. And there's a couple of themes on these. So I've tried to bulk them together to get through it. The first one's a bit on our small forwards and forwards in general. First one comes in from Dave H. He says, why do our small forwards contest pack marks when they should be at ground level? And yeah, I think the one that I'm thinking of is the Motlop jumps up when we had the out number. Charlie's there. Seems to be a bit of a trend. Seems to be a bit of a trend. And clearly forward of the ball is a big issue for us. And I don't know. I wonder, some of it is maybe just maturity. Is it personnel? I don't know. I'll, I'll answer that question by answering a different question, which is great for me. But like, I wonder just why we don't change things up slightly. And I look at Brisbane. I look at the way Collingwood do it. And obviously we've got focal points. We've got Charlie, we've got Harry. Great weapons to use. Definitely go for them. But I feel like we focus too much on them and we don't change things up. You you look at oppositions and, and what they're trying to do and what they did with Darcy Moore this week is like stop the big boys, be there as we know they're going to kick it in long and hope these guys take these contested marks, make sure you shut it off. But if the opposition is so focused on that, surely you should adjust and, and almost use them as a decoy at times to look at other avenues and, and use these smalls in a more dynamic way. Maybe we, Maybe they're not up to it. Maybe the talent's not there. But it feels like we just don't use them enough throughout the space to stretch opposition to create different avenues to go. Because I'm not, I'm not saying we need to stop targeting the big boys. Clearly, keep going for it. But I don't know. Always is taking his chances. We're clearly not getting enough from everyone else. I mean, Motlop wasn't really there. Durden was tackling, but that's. I get it. Not enough boys lay tackles. But if you're not doing anything on the scoreboard, you're not looking like you're assisting pressure's just not enough these days. We need more. So I don't know. Maybe we need to look into something of, of a different avenue towards goal. Use these guys in different ways. 
Maybe use the tools as decoys because feels like if teams stop those guys, we're nothing. So maybe don't target them as much. I don't know. There's something in that. But the, there's just lack of cohesion forward of the ball, clearly. We're not getting enough numbers to the packs. We're not, we don't know who has to stay up, who has to stay down. The positioning of the fall of the ball, we're not at the right spots. There's just so much going wrong at the moment. It feels like nothing's going right. It's always just so hard to pinpoint different things and know where to get better. But clearly everywhere does. And Dom in the Den asks, why are we so bad at converting inside 50s into goals? And it's interesting. We had similar inside 50s to Collingwood. You can't have a similar scoring shots near the end, but it's just the chances we're creating, really. You, you look at it and the way we're moving the ball, the way we're under pressure, there's not enough work rate to, to help out and create these options. And you look at the, the chances we are getting and they're just not good. They're not good chances in front of goal. They're always wide in the pocket or wide outside 50. The chances a team like Collingwood are creating is like 20 meters directly in front. Like you're not giving yourself... Good opportunities. You're not giving yourself space. The inside fifties don't turn out to be goals. It's it's simple, but it's so hard to fix. Um, a couple, unfortunately, negatively towards Jacob Weedering. We got one from our man Superbad who asks us what is wrong with Jacob Weedering. Um, and we got one from um, Jess Goats who asks, firstly, what the fuck, which <laughs> pretty much sums up this one. I'll be honest. And then second, is there any point? in sending weeders to the seconds for at least a week or two because he just hasn't been performing for weeks. And, yeah, him and Lewis Young, even Gov, like, it's, they're not playing well. And if if Sam Durden was fit and available, I think you'd, you'd make a move somewhere with one of these guys. Maybe Brody Kemp gets a look in over, over Gov. But I don't know. I don't know what you do with Jacob Reedering. What is wrong? What has happened? What has happened? Like these glimpses where like he gets a spoil, he gets an intercept mark, and you're like, okay, get that confidence back. Beautiful. But then it's a slow, I won't go with the ball. I won't take the option. Then he finally goes the option that he should have gone the whole time, but it's like the space is closed in. It's a turnover. The kick isn't there. I don't know. I don't know. We've like zapped. It's the Looney Tunes thing. We've taken the powers away from our stars. Cripps doesn't look like it. Weedering doesn't look like it. Walshie's kicking is atrocious. We're not getting anything out of Saad. It's just everything's going wrong. And, and I don't know what it is. I don't it's it's hard. We spoke about Harry and like if you if you drop him, is that his confident shot? Is that him gone? Like you need to know how to manage these players, but half of it is we just don't have someone to bring in. Who is coming in currently that can play at that standard? It's a key defender. Like Marchbank had his first game back in limited minutes. He's not really that locked down. Kemp's too small to be the lockdown. Like, what do you do? If we had the option, I probably would. And that's maybe harsh, but we just need better. And maybe that's the maybe that's the kick up the backside he needs. But we need more from him. We need more from Lewis Young. We need these guys to be standing up. And and when they're not doing it, when they're in the funk at the moment, like you can support them as much as possible. But when it's not turning, I don't know. I don't know how to fix it. I wish I did. I wish I did. Um, next one is more like a ball movement and skills questions. We got one here from one of the podcast favorites, Mickey C. He asks a five goal loss to that team is not unexpected. To be honest, we needed we need to win one or two of the next three, or even all three would be ideal. But the bigger concern is our dreadful skills by hand and foot. Uh, even worse, you know, our forward entries. He asks sort of which is easier to address mid season. Is it the skills? Is it the forward entries? So a bit more of a structure question, I suppose, and work rate rather than skills. And and weirdly, maybe this is a fence hit. Maybe Lockie had smacked me across the head for this one. But it kind of is the same from where I'm seeing it. And it goes back to what I sort of said at the top of this. My kind of main point around the work rate moving together is when we're not seemingly working as a cohesive unit, we're not giving clean options and working hard. There's pressure on the guy with the ball. And then he's passing it to a guy who's under more pressure. We're not working ahead of it in a nice way that we know where we're meant to go with it. And so our, our, our disposal isn't good because of that. We're asking too much because the easy option isn't there. And then even if there is an easy option, he doesn't have an easy option. So it's like the, the pressure compounds, which means the skills get worse. 
And then the forward entries aren't going to be good because we're under so much pressure because the options aren't easy. Like it's, it's all linked. It, it's all linked for me. I don't think there's an easy fix like for one and then sorts, sorts the other because these boys need to work harder together. They need to understand that the, the how they're working at the moment is not enough. And I think that if they're able to, however they do it, understand where everyone needs to be and everyone is rewarded by getting into the right positions, working as a unit. I think we'll see the the skills get better. There's there's no way that this team, that every single person on this list is that bad at disposing the football by hand and by foot. You cannot draft this many blokes and bring this many guys into a football club that all can't kick. Like, yeah, I don't think we have exceptional users, but even the good ones are letting us down. So it's everything which again is not positive. It's not a good thing to be like, oh, it's just everything shit. Um, <laughs> yeah, sorry if I didn't answer that question, Mickey. But yeah, I think it's a bit of everything. Uh, we got some last questions to wrap this up. We got one from Santo Cartali who says, <laughs> this is a good one, that glass you boys keep talking about, it's 100% half empty, if not full empty. It may not even exist in a few weeks. And, and that's how we're all feeling. Like, it does go back to the we didn't expect necessarily win against Collingwood, but it's the method in how we're performing that we're not seeing enough glimpses. If you show enough, you can cop it and then you move on, but we're just not getting it. And I don't know. Hopefully it turns. Hopefully it turns. I'm still, I'm still, there's maybe a drop left in my glass, but I tell you what, I'm going to, I'm going to hold on to that thing. I'm going to savor it. It's like I'm in the desert. And I've got nothing left in my in my drink bottle, and I'm just gonna hold on and hope for the best at this stage. Use every bit of saliva I can. Maybe that's a, a bad mental image. Apologies. Uh, we've got one from back with the flight. It says Colton's five losses have been to teams in the top six, and none have been blowouts. Are we closer than we think? So this back with the flight is uh, maybe flipping this compared to Santo. He's more glass half full, which is why I put these questions this way in the run sheet. Lockie abuses me for my run sheet skills, but but this is why I do it. And it's interesting. I spoke to a couple of mates, Casey and Jackson, who do listen to the pod. So shout out to those great boys at, at halftime. And I kind of did allude to this a little bit saying like, is this just where we are? Like who have we beaten that's really above us on the ladder? Geelong. Who did we beat last year that was better than us? What, Sydney and, and Frio? And then how convincing were our wins? We were beating the teams below us. And we're playing a couple of good quarters. Maybe this is where we're at. Does that mean we're we're closer to being good if we're not getting demolished by these teams? If we're doing enough to save face? Does that show that there's enough quality in that side to not get blown away? Maybe. And I think that's why we're still kind of positive on it in a 2% way. It's why we're holding on. Because you look at it and you're like, well, there is a good player in Weedering. I've seen some signs in Lewis Young. Newman's had a good season. Saad, we know what he can offer. We know what Gov can offer at his best. Boyd has some good qualities, some pace and some some good foot skills. That kick to, I think it was Harry Mackay. Was it Harry Mackay? I think so. Beautiful, beautiful. Don't see many kicks to a guy on the lead. There's players in that midfield that have talent. There's players in that forward line that have talent. Like there's things there We've just got to get the best out of it. Like this game kind of shows you the difference between some good talented players and a system that works perfectly that everyone understands cohesion. Just don't have it. But I don't know. It the optimist in me, which people will be turning off and they'll be yelling at their their devices at the moment, listening to this. It's like there's things, there's pieces. We just need to get the best out of them, which we're not. But we could. We could. Uh, Mark DT asked, was this another game lost at selection? When JSOS was in the ruck, Collingwood dominated the clearance and got the lead early in the game. It's an interesting one. I still hate the JSOS in the ruck. I think a lot do. It's weird. It doesn't work. We don't get the best out of him. He plays his worst footy when he has to be in the ruck. We clearly need another option. I'm very much in the camp of... Just bring De Koning back, probably for JSOS, to be honest. And we need we need a second, we need a better second ruck. 
when Pitt's not in there. Because I thought Pitt had a decent game, to be honest. It was fine. But it's when he's not in there, we are struggling. We, we moved on from the Lewis Young experiment, even though that was working better. I don't know if it was lost at selection because you couldn't play him straight back in there. But there is an element in that second ruck that we're still clearly is lacking list-wise. I uh, got one lastly from our man Soge, the scoops himself. He says he does have a question for us after originally thinking he didn't have one. Um, he says, I'd pay thousands just for some honesty. Ian, if you were honest Voss for a moment, tell me what would you say? And this is the hardest question. I've thought about this beforehand. The hard part is I don't know what to say if I'm Voss. I don't know what he needs to say to get it out of these boys. Because clearly there's a disconnect in what's happening. Either the players are too dumb from like the 17th coach in a row that they can't understand a fucking game plan, which I don't know how they can be that dumb. But surely we don't keep getting coaches that their game plan is that hard to understand. So I don't know. I think if I'm Vossi at this stage, maybe you take the positivity route of it. Like, Again, I feel like such a pretentious wanker being like, I was at a sponsorship event and I heard some of the players, but maybe I'm just trying to bring some insight back to you, but I feel like such a wanker saying it. But what they did say, like the little glimpse was like, oh yeah, the review was tough. The review was tough. Maybe they don't need that this week. Maybe they need the encouragement of like, oh, look when this went well. Like here's all the footage of all the good things that happened. This was when you nailed it and show them more evidence of it because it feels like they they know when it's not going right. And chatting to Fish when he was like just watching the game um, against the doggies, he was like, oh, you can see so many different things and you can see what's going wrong, but it's so much harder to do it on field. So maybe because we know it's not going right, highlight when it does work. Maybe that's what you need, the positivity from Vossi because the boys feel shit. They're not enjoying their football. So I don't know, maybe you need that towards the players. But to the fans, like, he's getting frustrated. You can tell in the presser. I think for him towards the fans, he just needs to – it's so hard. so hard because, like, the boys are like, oh, we'll get to work. We'll get to it. We've just got to get busy. But, like, so many times you just like to shut up. I just don't want to hear from you at all. So it's a difficult – it's a difficult spot to be in when it's not working. Because people don't want to hear talk. They don't just want to hear you say it's going to get better. It's a shit position. It's not fun. I think Vossi just needs to be a bit more honest and give us a little bit more. Like he feels like he's alluding to so much in these press conferences, but he doesn't want to doesn't want to say it. Just give me something. Give me something, Voss. I'm sorry, Sojo. I'm not able to answer these questions well. Maybe I need Lockie here to really crack the whip at me to not fence it on these. I think that I, th- I think that's it. Um, but that's the listener questions. Again, if you want to get in touch at Navy Blue Corner on all social media, drop a comment if you're on YouTube. If you're listening on the streaming services, feel free to follow us so you don't miss an episode. If you do enjoy it, it'll probably be better when I do have Lockie with me here. Um, but let's go to some positives. Get this back up for the end of this episode. Feels like that's it. It's a roller coaster. It's downhill a lot, but we're maybe starting to go towards it because this is our good versus evil segment where we try to have a bit more of a balanced take where for a bit more well-rounded perspective. So we've talked about a lot of bad. Let's try to find some hidden gems, something to get us up for next week. And there's not a lot. There's not a lot. I wish there was more structural components or little things I saw in the game, but it's more player-based. And Charlie, I thought was really good. He did everything he really could during during that game. Um, Harry converted, looked better in front of goal, went the drop punts, seemed to nail most of them that were gettable, which it seems like is something he's not doing. Um, and his work around the ground was really good again. So he's still working, but we're just not getting enough out of them because everything else isn't, isn't working. I thought Pitto was decent in the ruck. I thought when he was in there, he was getting the clearances. He was pushing and, and trying to make something happen. It was better when he was in there, that's for sure. Uh, always, again, took his chances and his goal celebrations. I mean, this is almost a highlight in itself. Like, I was very sitting in my seat, ugh, not happy. Mate, he kicks one and, and goes. Like, he, he, he was 
right in front of me, um, <laughs> gets up and celebrates. Like, I'm out of my seat. I'm like, yeah, let's fucking go, boys. Come on. Like, switch on. Let's get up and about. If always he's getting a bit up and about, you just can't sit in your seat and be be still. Like, you've got to be moving something. Um, so I thought always was good again today, taking those opportunities. I thought Chera fought hard. Wasn't perfect, but he's probably the best out of our midfield crop at the moment. He's trying and willing himself to do the most. And while it's great to see it from Chera, on the flip side, it's frustrating that we're not getting enough out of everyone else. And no one else has been able to get to his level this year. But, I mean, Chera's, Chera's been our best. So kudos to him every single week. Doc, I thought, was decent. He applied himself well, but what let him down was his disposal. But I thought he was there was more continued effort which we probably shouldn't be highlighting, but when there was so much others that probably didn't see it from, I've got to give something to Doc. And then last good thing to balance this out, maybe it's not what we want, but I've got to give it to the fans, to be honest. To be honest. Credit is due because we showed up in numbers again. We cheered. We were loud. We tried our hardest. But what do you do when you're not getting enough from our football team right now? We are trying so hard. I can't blame any fan for for starting to, to lose hope because it's, it's getting difficult. But we're all nuffies. We're going to be there when we play, what, Melbourne the week after. We're all going to watch against Sydney. Because that's what we do. We're going to be through them with, through thick and thin. We've just got to push them. And they know it's not good enough. You get the email from Sayers this week saying we get it, we're working. It's nice to hear from him. Like, I'm not going to go big either way on it, on the email. There's no rant from me this week. I think my first thing was, about time we, we hear something from you. When he took over, it was like, oh, we got a video from him. We haven't got a video. I'm sick of these emails every week from the judiciary. Like, we've got some, some videos. Someone's realized it's 2022 at the time. You've got a phone that you can record something. Feels like we've gone away from that. The communication with fans has gone away from it. I feel like that needs to come back. But it was good that he it was there in defense of Voss, at least. It was something. But the fans are bloody given everything. We're, we're making how many bloody podcasts do we have that everyone's still here week in, week out, making content multiple times a week, given everything, giving hours of travel to get to these games, to cheer, to all the energy, all our mental capacity is lost at the moment with this football club because we're given everything. So it's about time these boys showed us something more. So I'd almost give my three votes to the, to the to the fans at the moment, but I've got to give them to players to make this Navy Blue Corner best and fairest award mean something. Drop your, your comments, your votes right now in the comments on YouTube. If you're listening on streaming services, head over to at Navy Blue Corner. Let me know your votes if you can give them to anyone if you want to. I've given my one to Matty Owies. I thought he took his chances. Probably wasn't around it enough, but when he, his opportunity was there, he took it. I can't say much worse for that. Two to Chera, battled hard, probably our best midfielder. And then three I've given to Charlie Kerno for, I just did not think he did anything wrong. He, he took his chances in front of goal for the most part, worked hard. The entry wasn't there, but you can hold his head up high. There's probably about five guys that could have done it. Docky's probably stiff not to get a vote, but his disposal probably lets him down. But those three get my votes. And you wanted a tally, a vote tally. Well, I'm here to do it. Now, I will preface this. There's a bit of an asterisk on this, and I'll throw Lockie under the bus because he's not here and he can't defend himself. And that's the kind of guy I am. Uh, But I haven't got his votes this week just yet. And the episode he missed earlier in the season due to illness, they're saying killed a game. I don't have his votes yet for that. So there's a bit of an asterisk on this vote tally. But as it stands, in ninth spot, equal ninth on four votes, we've got Doherty, we've got Mitch McGovern, and we've got surprisingly George Hewitt, who actually all of his four votes tallied up between me and Lockie were from round one, which means there's something in there, Georgie. He showed not apes from the sub, but... Come on, you've shown it in you. In eighth spot, it is Lewis Young with six votes. And similar to George Hewitt, all six votes came in round one, which is unbelievable. In seventh spot with seven votes, very fittingly, is Matty Owies. Then in tied for fifth on nine 
Maybe fittingly again, we've got Paddy Cripps, but we've got Sam Walsh. So they're trying to push it. We need more from these two. I want to see those guys leading this by the end of the season. In fourth place, and surprised me, to be honest, with 10 votes is Blake Akers. Got a quite a lot early in this season, has tapered off a little bit. We need more from him. We need more from our experienced guys. Got killed on the wings this week. Need more. Stop getting sucked in. Stay out wide. Uh, in third place, I thought this guy was higher. Maybe should have been higher. Tweet at us. Um, in 12 votes is Adam Chera. In second place is Nick Newman with 13. So it's heating up closely there. But running away with it at the moment with 20 votes, seven clear. Maybe Lockie can change that with his two games worth of votes, but it's Charlie Kerno who's leading our medal tally as things stand. We'll try to update this a bit more weekly and let you guys know what we're at, but get on social media and harass Lockie for his votes because he's not giving me him right now. And maybe you guys can get that response before I do. So feel free to harass Lockie in the most polite way. Maybe we'll do it with kindness. Lockie, please. I'm begging you. St. Kilda game, Collingwood game. We need your votes the prestige of the vote count. But we'll try to be a bit more positive. And look, I don't have Lockie here for this, which means whatever I induct into the Hall of Fame this week, whatever I nominate automatically goes in unless Thursday, whenever we record the match build-up, Lockie vetoes it and yells at me for the absolute dribble that comes out of my mouth in the Hall of Fame segment. But I'm going to say whatever I have to say goes in. So let's go. Let's go the sting that we absolutely love. It is the Navy Blue Corner Hall of Fame. Ladies and gentlemen, it is time for the ceremony of ceremonies. Straighten your tie, adjust your monocle, and raise a pinky for the Navy Blue Corner Hall of Fame. I tell you what, I was fumbling around with my tie during those proceedings. And I tell you what, I've maybe made the smallest tie in the world of fumbling around like a bloody Carlton midfielder. But we've got it on. We've got it on for this prestigious, prestigious event. God, that's the worst tie I've ever made in my life. Oh, that's embarrassing. That's coming off. That's coming off. I'm sorry. The event is maybe cancelled. But I've got a good one. I've got a good one this week. If you found anything funny this week, anything weird, anything wacky that is somewhat football-related, hopefully Carlton related that, you know, this segment isn't for the match winning goal. It's not for a beautiful mark. It's for something stupid that we can throw in to have a bit of a laugh because by God, we need it. And if you've stuck around for a bloody hour of me talking by myself, I cannot believe you've listened because I would have turned off within five minutes, even though clearly by the length of this episode, I love the sound of my own voice, voice, but okay, let's just, I'm babbling. Let's get into it. Nominated this week, the inductee. Now, I'm not sure exactly who this goes to, but I think you'll realize that this, this deserves to go in. Again, harass Lockie to see if this goes in. Because there's been a lot of chatter this week prior to the game around poor Harry Mackay and his goal kicking. And never more was that spoken this week. The abuse from Robbo, the abuse from everyone that was coming for Harry Mackay. Cannot kick a set shot. With all that pressure, I think we can all admit there were no issues this week. Maybe I'm going too soon. Maybe I'm going too soon. But it feels like he's out of his goal-kicking rut now. Got that goal. Got another. He's ready to go. Harry Mackay is out of this goal-kicking rut. And I think that I've discovered the reason behind it. Now, again, my head's too big. My ego's too big. I'm doing the podcast by myself. I'm getting stopped at the MCG. I'm getting recognized. Head's getting too big. I was at this Carlton sponsor event. Drink every time I say that, I think, at this stage. Or maybe I need to stop doing a podcast every time I mention this. But it was a sit-down dinner. Now, the issue with this was I was in a booth. I was in the dead center of this booth, which meant when I had to go to the bathroom, I had to disrupt the whole table. I had to get seven blokes out, which was disappointing and embarrassing in one sense. But everyone had to vacate the row. And when I came back, the edge of the table was Harry Mackay and, and, and a lovely older gentleman sitting there. And unfortunately, I had to make this guy get out of his seat. And as he did in this moment, the poor bastard <laughs> bumped the table incredibly. And it was like it happened in slow motion. This I've never seen a fuller bottle, bottle, fuller glass of wine. This 
the the drinking standards normally you have to fill it to this broke all the the liquor licensing rules it was to the fill to the brim and it flew across the table all over harry mckay i think he was the only carlton player that decided to actually rock up in a nice shirt it's gone all over him all in his lap now as if this man wasn't having a bad week already. You know, this could have been yet another moment that just ruined his mental state. You'd think he was already struggling with his goal kicking. He can't even go to a restaurant without getting a full bloody glass of wine spilt on him. But I, I think it's the other way. Now, I'm not a religious man, but I believe that in the Bible, it talks about the wine being the blood of Christ. And I think that in the same, stick with me, please, please don't turn off. I think in the same vein, this glass of wine, when spilled onto Harry, it cleansed him. All the demons, all the mental demons of, of set shot kicking were exercised from within. The scars and memories of past poor goal kicking were washed away with the wine. So this week's Hall of Fame inductee, goes to the man who cleansed Harry Mackay of his goal-kicking sins in what some may call a miracle holier than thou. The inductee to the Hall of Fame goes to him because Harry Mackay is cured of his sins. I cannot believe it. It was, try not to laugh when it happened, to be honest. I felt like it was my fault, even though it wasn't, but maybe this is what he needed. He's been cleansed. He's gone through the ritual process of the red wine spilling on him. And with that, the power has gone back. So maybe that's what we need. Maybe we get Jacob Wiedering. We get Paddy Cripps. We get all these boys who are struggling and we just pour bottles of wine on them and, and have some sort of ritual. And maybe that will get the demons away from these boys and we'll be up and about. Maybe that is the solution to all our problems. <laughs> um, but that's the Hall of Fame this week. I feel like I'm going insane. Every time I don't have Lockie, you see a weird side to me. So thanks for sticking around if you've gotten this deep into it. We've got plenty happening this week. We've got a build-up show. Lockie will be back for that. Don't you worry. You don't have to just listen to my garbage voice the whole time. And the positivity will rain back into that. I'm not too sure if there was that much this week in, the, in our match review, in my match review maybe, because so much went poor. But we're still here. We're still here next week. And like many of the Carlton content creators and podcasts out there, we will have a special guest in David Reese jones joining us for our match build-up against the Sydney Swans. Very fitting, seeing as he played for them and the Baggers. Um, basically, he's here for a very important cause. I'll slip it in here to start with, but we'll discuss it. A lot in our match build-up with him. Basically, he's doing the 15 for 15 challenge for Prada-Willi Syndrome Association Victoria. May is Prada-Willi Syndrome International Awareness Month. And look, it's a cause close to this man's heart. It's a, it's a great cause to get around. So we're, we're hoping to donate as much money to this as possible. I'll put in a sneaky link in the show notes on YouTube and wherever you're streaming this as well. So if you've got any money to give, I understand it's a hard time, so I'm not expecting anything crazy. But if you do, it's a lovely foundation and it goes to a great cause. We'll be discussing this a lot more with David Rhys-Jones later in our match build-up and you'll get this great man, mate, premiership winner, Norm Smith medalist, hard man. You know he's not going to just... Just, you know, he's going to say it like it is. He's not going to leave any stone unturned. So we're going to hear from him what he thinks about Carlton at the moment, how we can turn this all around, get a premiership winner's insight on everything blues for a great cause. Again, if you want to donate, link is in the description. But that's going to wrap things up for me here at the Navy Blue Corner. Things aren't great, but there's plenty of time. We're in round 10. Let's hope, let's hope for the love of everything that we can fix these issues but we'll be back here with the match build up show that's enough from me thank you for listening up the baggers see you guys next time